Hello, I'm Kendra Von Esch, and you are listening to my 10-minute daily podcast, Reality Reflections. I bought into what this world said would make me happy. Money, prestige, power. And hey, if it feels good, do it, because life is stressful, so party hard. Do whatever makes you happy. But that didn't quite work out, because I felt even more insecure, full of fear, shame, and anxiety, and never, ever good enough. Then God found me and flipped my reality upside down and transformed my life. And I want this for everyone. So I left my executive career to help others find true acceptance, supernatural peace, joy, and love that only comes from a relationship with God. Here is my reality reflection for today. Well, I don't really have what I promised from yesterday because the book isn't really what I thought it was going to be. I thought the remaining chapters were going to be discussing each of the virtues, but it's really discussing why we need to practice the virtues now and what benefits it has in our life. So, for example, hope. We should all have deep-rooted hope in the promises of Jesus, in the promises of God the Father, that we will be raised to heaven and we will live in eternal bliss if we live and share the gospel. So, Hope in God is much different than hope in the world. And that's a big change for me because when you hope in God and you hope and you pray and you rest and are humble in him running your life, it is a lot easier to deal with crisis that comes in to play or circumstances that are negative and things that you would normally probably spiral out of control with and run to the world to help you deal with. Stress relievers, that was my life. My whole life was changing my state of being from being sober to being high, to being drunk, to having that Climax, I guess you say, whatever you get by self-gratification and watching pornography. I even was, I don't know what year was I, probably senior year of college through my first couple of years of, I'm sorry, senior year of high school into a couple of years of college where I was on this stealing binge and I just did it, not because I needed the stuff, but I did it for the high. So that was what I was seeking, was the world to help me deal with stress and insecurities and problems in my life. But when you have hope in God and hope in his promises, you change. When you're on the journey, the Holy Spirit is changing you inside, outside, and you Give him more things and you don't get all weirded out when the wind blows. For example, 
yesterday was an awesome day on the stock market. I'm sorry, Wednesday was an awesome day on the stock market. Yesterday was a horrible day. What could happen in one day? Do we trust in people? Do we trust in God? It's the difference between don't put your faith in princes and kings. Put your faith in the Lord and be humble and give it up. So that's when you practice virtue. So instead of being angry and frustrated and irritated or filled with fear and anxiety and worry, you turn it to the Lord. You have hope in God. And you let it go and you fill yourself with his peace, his joy. It's practice. You can deliver those spirits if you're feeling them, but you're delivering them and again, having hope in Jesus Christ and the power of his precious blood. So where do you put your hope? Because if you're thinking and waiting for someone or something in the earth and the physical world to help you, you're not going to get the same relief as you would if you give it to God, because you know, in the end, God only wants the best for you. And today in the readings, ah, I knew I had to go with something on the virtuous side, because I think hope is one of the hardest things that we have to work on. We're not so good at hope because we don't have patience and we're not really persistent either, right? Remember, it's a process. We need to be patient. We need to be persistent. But all too often, we turn to the world or we turn to lean on ourselves in situations. And of course, the first reading, it was St. Paul, who is currently Saul, going out and persecuting on the road to Damascus, and Jesus knocks him off the horse and says, why are you persecuting me directly to Saul? And then Ananias comes and lays his hands on him, prays on him, and scales are fallen. And look, Saul becomes Paul and one of the biggest writers in the New Testament, one of the best disciples we have. It's amazing, right? So that we can have hope that maybe the people in our lives will have that Saul to Paul moment. That's why the Bible shares with us some of these stories so that we can have hope and trust that Jesus wants our loved ones with us in heaven, especially if they've been baptized. And then the gospel It's the bread of life discourse. It's the point where Jesus doesn't mince words. He says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. The words actually mean gnaw or chew. Like there's no question. It's not a symbol. You must eat me. Bring me into your physical body mind, soul, and spirit to follow, right? And there's a lot of people who struggle with that. It's one of the biggest mysteries in the church, right? It is the source and summit of Catholicism. It is what 
makes us so different, the sacraments and that being one of them, from any other Christian faith. And if you haven't looked into Eucharistic miracles, please, I beg you, do so. I have an article that I'm going to put in the description of this podcast so that you can easily click on it. But there are proofs out there. Thank you, God, because he knows it's so hard for us to wrap our human minds around a bread, a piece of unleavened dry host. How can that turn into the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Now, I want everyone to know that in the Eucharist alone is the body and blood, soul and divinity. In the wine alone is the body, blood, soul, and divinity. So we are not being robbed of any species if we do not receive both. I received wine in Nebraska. It was beautiful. I was actually quite shocked because I haven't received the wine and the Eucharist in the host together for a couple of years now. And I was really excited and I shared it on the podcast just to see who else is receiving or who else has a parish that's receiving that way. Not many, but then everyone was like, oh, well, you're not missing anything. You're not getting anything out of it. And in the history, you know, the Eucharist was the only thing that was given. Only the priest was able to receive the wine or the blood, I should say. Well, I know that, but I'm just saying it was nice. When I have an opportunity and it's offered to me, I am going for both species because I just want more and more of Jesus. But I know that I'm getting both in the host. So I want to confirm if you've ever seen something like that or if you're curious about that, we're not being robbed by not having the wine slash once it's consecrated transubstantiation, it turns into Jesus's blood. We're not being robbed of that if we're just receiving the Eucharist in the Holy Host. But we have to have hope that other people will see that. And so that's why I want you to look at my Eucharistic Miracles article, because I have links in there, hopefully they still work, that go to specific Eucharistic miracles that are proven by science that it is blood. It's Jesus's DNA that the blood hasn't coagulated and there's nothing but water in there. It's not in formaldehyde. Or that the blood turns into from a coagulated mess into blood at certain times of the year. There's so many stories. Go out there and search the internet for Eucharist, Eucharistic miracles. And have hope that this is truly Jesus body, blood, soul, and divinity. And because you're receiving Jesus, make sure that you have the right disposition at mass when you go up to receive him. Number one, if you're in mortal sin, you cannot receive. Go to confession, clean your soul, and then receive. But if you go up and you're just thinking about the to-do list and you're looking at the hair of the person in front of you and you're being distracted because you're saying hi to Susie who's sitting on the pew three rows behind the priest and we don't receive the graces that we're supposed to. It matters what your disposition is. Because the Eucharist is the Eucharist. It's Jesus himself 
And once we have first communion, we should be on high, filled with grace. But it's because of the way that we are disposed, our attitude, what we're thinking about when we're going up to receive the Lord. So here's a suggestion. Walk up and ask your guardian angel and Mary and the Holy Spirit to walk up with you and help to receive Jesus. Since I've been really diving in with Mary and looking forward to the rosary and looking forward to praying in this book and listening to more things about how important it is to work out our salvation here on earth and to separate ourselves from the earthly desires and our own flesh. We are slaves to our bodies. I think about how we need to ask for Mary's help to receive her son just like she did, right? Lord, do unto me according to thy word. I'm your handmaid. How many times are we walking up with the right disposition, opening ourselves? I actually, before I receive, I'm usually sitting in the back of the pew, back of the church. I'm on my knees saying, Lord, I give you everything, Father. I am the sacrifice through Jesus to you. I empty myself of all my wants and needs. I empty myself of all my worldly desires. I offer everything to you, my life, my deeds, my thoughts, my words. I even go as far as to my, my husband, my family, all of my material goods. I give it all to you. And then I pray and I ask for Mary, my guardian angel, and Mary's beloved spouse to walk up with me and help me to receive Jesus in the way that I'm supposed to. And empty myself so that there's nothing of my wants and desires in my mind or in my heart. All I want is to be empty and to have the Lord come into me and give me the blessings and graces that I need, that he knows I need. Try it. It may change the way that you receive the Eucharist. And remember that when you don't and you just walk up and receive and you're not even thinking of anything, blocking grace. And we don't want that, right? So let's have hope in all of the things that the church teaches in the Eucharist, that the Bible shares in Paul becoming one of the best disciples ever, but one of the worst Christian what am I trying to say? One of the worst oppositions to Christians. He was killing Christians, turning them over for jail and murder. God is the God of amazing miracles and amazing things. And a lot of them are mysterious to us, but hope roots at all of them. Let's hope for our families that they will come back to Jesus and the Catholic Church that you, if you're listening, are not Catholic, that you're being pulled in your heart, that the Spirit is tugging at you. Maybe this is real. Maybe I should look at that Eucharistic miracle thing. 
hope. We don't do it so well. (laughs) I always say, I know a lot of people don't like the word suck, but I say we suck at hope. And I've changed it to we stink at hope, but it's really, it just has a better ring to it. But we sometimes really suck at hope. And the more we hope in the promises that are all over the Bible, from Jesus and God the Father throughout all ages in the Bible, we can let go. And we can be humble and more calm and peaceful, if not joyful, in the midst of crisis. All righty, everyone. I love you all. Find something more with God and Mary. Have a blessed and inspired day.